I like how no one else is here, so you're finally running the show like you've wanted to. Yes. (laughs) Finally. Welcome to the 457 SEO, a place for stories, information, and observations about Southeast Ohio. I'm Susan Tebbin. And I'm Aaron Payne. And that's it for this week. Uh, we Our colleagues had a little bit of... Uh, Schedule conflicts. Scheduling conflicts. So. Which is just fine because we've got it from here. Yes, Don't worry. Yes, we've still got a full show for you. Coming up on this episode, we have what, Aaron? We will be discussing the effects that the opioid epidemic has had on pregnant women and newborn babies throughout the region. And after that, we have another installment of The Amazing Adventures of Chris Riddle. And that's all coming to you next here on 457 SEO. Stay tuned. Welcome back to the 457 SEO. I'm Susan Tebbin. The Ohio Valley's addiction crisis is reaching a new generation as the number of drug-affected babies rises at an astonishing rate. Kentucky and Ohio both have rates well above the national average, and about 5% of all children born last year in West Virginia were affected by drugs in their mother's bodies, the highest such rate in the country. But Aaron went out and found new efforts to treat both newborns and parents in the grip of addiction. She didn't want to use her real name, and it's understandable given the stigma surrounding addiction. I'll call her Mary. We met at a new facility in eastern Kentucky which provides residential treatment for pregnant women to talk about her life as a mother who has lived through an addiction to opioids, an addiction that began with painkillers and progressed to heroin. I had to get it, and even when I did get it, then I had to think of the next way that I was going to get it. When Mary discovered she was pregnant with her first child, she sought treatment, but the disease had a tight grip on her. The child was born dependent on opioids and went through the pains of withdrawal shortly after delivery. To see that little boy go through that stuff, uh, you think like I would change my life for her, like immediately, but I didn't. I was in complete denial that because of my choices, like it was my fault that he was going through that. The number of babies born suffering from neonatal abstinence syndrome, the medical term for being born drug affected, is on the rise. In the Ohio Valley, the numbers are skyrocketing. Ohio and Kentucky both have rates well above the national average. And in West Virginia, the most recent data show for every thousand live births, there are 50 drug affected newborns. Healthcare workers across the region are finding new ways to treat both babies and mothers. Nationwide Children's Hospital in Columbus treats babies transferred from other hospitals when the symptoms are at their most severe. Excessive crying, unable to self-console, unable to eat appropriately, all the way, you know, up to seizure activity. That's the neonatal intensive care unit's administrative clinical leader, Amy Thomas. The hospital has been developing its treatment plan since around 2013, when staff noticed a correlation between increasing length of stay and drug-affected babies. Treatment begins with non-pharmacological methods, like cuddling and music therapy. But if the withdrawal cannot be managed, morphine is administered. Thomas says educating the parents on how to care for the baby through methods like skin-to-skin comforting and breastfeeding is important. And treating the parents, especially mothers, as parents rather than addicts, can have an impact on the baby's life. I have that window of opportunity there to get her to fall in love with her baby, get her addicted to motherhood. 
The hospital has seen its admission numbers for drug-affected babies go down as birth hospitals have improved their ability to provide care. A unique facility in Huntington, West Virginia, aims to relieve some of the burden on hospitals. At Lily's Place, babies are cared for in individual nurseries where the lights are low and noise, as you can hear, is kept to a minimum. These babies are born very easily overstimulated. We feel like that a quieter, more home-like environment is the environment that they need. That's Rhonda Edmonds, the director of nursing at Lily's Place. With a staff of registered nurses, they provide another option of care for drug-affected babies outside of hospitals. The facility is one of only two of its kind currently operating in the U.S., and Edmonds says it wasn't easy to get started. The state allowed us to be part of a pilot program, but all the babies had to be in state custody for that, which was a hindrance to getting babies over here. But we don't have to do that anymore. Since it opened in 2014, Lily's Place has been working to help other facilities get started and get through the red tape. Treatment for pregnant women, meanwhile, is sometimes difficult to come by. A group of organizations in Athens County, Ohio, took a collaborative approach in addressing this issue. Pam Bourne is the practice manager with Ohio Health Oblenis Athens Medical Associates, OBGYN. She says they noticed several years ago an increase in the number of women coming in with addiction issues. I could see that there was some burnout in my providers because these patients just, they had so many other issues, social issues, that we didn't even know how to address. So she reached out to the nearby Health Recovery Services organization in hopes of getting these mothers treatment. The collaboration was so successful, Bourne says they looked for other resources. As we identified a new problem, we would identify who in the community could meet that problem. Soon they were connecting housing services, child care, and other services for the whole family. Interest from lawmakers led to the creation of the Moms Project. Athens County and three other areas were provided funding to assist the programs in hopes that others would follow. Bourne says she would like to work towards connecting residential treatment to their program, which is difficult to find. Karen's Place Maternity Center is filling this role in Louisa, Kentucky. Addiction Recovery Care, with treatment centers across rural Kentucky, operates the new facility, offering a balance of medical treatment, counseling, and a faith-based element. There's no centers doing what we're doing in, in this part of central Appalachia, and we felt like we had the infrastructure and resources to do it. That's Addiction Recovery Care CEO Tim Robinson. The 16-bed facility is a repurposed home in a secluded area with 24-7 staff support and amenities for both mother and baby. Robinson says it's important that mothers and babies stay together. We're not going to have true compassion for the babies until we have true compassion for the moms. The maternity center took in one mother before recently opening to the public, and that's how I met Mary. She sought treatment again after the birth of her first child and was able to get clean for a while. However, she relapsed around the time she found out she was pregnant again. Mary was determined to give this baby a healthy start. Reaching sobriety in October, her second child was born about a month ago with no signs of being affected by opioids. It's been amazing. <laughs> He's healthy, happy. He's a calm little guy. Mary's focused on continued recovery and motherhood and someday passing on her knowledge to other mothers suffering with addiction. I've always like encouraged people, you know, if they're still breathing, there's still hope. All right, so Aaron, you had to travel quite a few different places for this. Um, yes. Was there a particular place that sort of hit you harder? You know, I know you went to different recovery centers and nationwide. What were your feelings about going to those places and seeing what's happening? I think each place has a unique w approach 
to their model of care and I think that's a good thing because in the opioid epidemic there's no one answer it seems so to have these different types of treatment for both mothers and babies I think is a good thing and maybe something that I didn't know was a thing until Mm -hmm. I covered this story personally. The one place I thought was particularly interesting was Karen's Place Maternity Ward. When I would talk to the other places, they would say something to the effect of, we, we have a model of care that works for us. We just, we just wish that we could have a place where mom and baby could be together and kind of live mm-hmm. outside of an environment that facilitated a substance use disorder. So that place fills that role and it's kind of unique in that way and I expect to see more places adopting that model of care residential treatment basically for pregnant women leading into postnatal care. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's definitely interesting to hear from the mothers themselves and from the right from the people that are treating them. Um you didn't talk a lot about funding, so this is obviously a hot topic for Senator Rob Portman's been talking about it, state budget's talking about it. What's the deal with funding, you know, these kinds of almost seem like specialty areas where you can have mother and baby um, being together? How are, they, how are they being funded? How are they hoping to get funded in the future? Medicaid. Medicaid. And there's a, there's a lot of funding from Medicaid going into these types of treatments, especially at Karen's Place Maternity Ward. I actually asked, do you have any concerns with the talks going on about an overhaul in healthcare if Medicaid expansion is lost in that? Do you have any worries? And in Kentucky, when I talked to the CEO, he didn't seem too concerned. He felt pretty reassured by things that Governor Matt Bevin has said about keeping this Medicaid in place so that they can fund addiction treatment. It seems like Matt Bevan, Governor John Kasich, have a solid handle on the issue at hand. (laughs) They don't want this type of coverage and this type of treatment to go away Mm -hmm. due to a lack of funding. Right. Is there talk about the treatment that that mothers get before the baby's even born um, yes. going into HRC was mentioned and that kind right. of thing. Um, obviously we have a shortage of those sorts of facilities in the area. So right. how do we battle that on top of they're pregnant and they need to take care of their babies? It starts at education for pregnant women that may be suffering through addiction, just finding them, being able to identify them. And that's not always easy, but Uh, If you can meet those mothers where they're at and educate them on this part of your struggles with addiction is going to affect the tiny human growing inside of you. If you can get to them early, you can have a baby that's born unaffected by drugs. Mm -hmm. And and from there, it's finding the right ways to treat them. I talked to um, Joseph Gay with HRS. Uh, He didn't... uh, make the cut in the story, but he had a lot of interesting things to say about treating these mothers uh, with Medicaid, medication-assisted treatments, and it's very different than somebody that's not pregnant because you have to cater to the to the fetus as well as the mother, and you just have to find this right balance, and sometimes it's a type, 
tightrope walk. Mm-hmm. So it, there's a lot of challenges and nobody's quite figured it out. But I think the most important thing that uh, people in the treatment community are saying is we need to be able to meet these mothers where they're at and educate them early and often in hopes of having a baby that's born without being affected by drugs. Mm. And then we got to think about afterward when they have the baby and they mm-hmm. have to deal with uh, avoiding their addiction or get it recovering right. from their addiction as well as taking care of a child. And, it, it, and how do you deal with that? <laughs> it, it's difficult because a lot of uh, treatment facilities and recovery facilities don't cater to new mothers. When I talked to Mary, I asked her, did you feel supported when you were going through treatment as a new mother and she said absolutely not she said this the karen's place maternity ward was the first time she felt she had a chance she had a wow it's difficult for women as is to get treatment because Mm -hmm. i I think in this area they're putting a focus on treatment for women but in a lot of the other areas there's not quite as many facilities specifically tailored to women and you add a pregnancy a new baby to that mix and it's quite difficult right thanks for the story Aaron you're welcome when we come back the amazing adventures of Chris Riddle Welcome back to 457SEO, and in the studio with Susan and myself now is the one and only Chris Riddle, and it's time for the amazing adventures of Chris Riddle. Riddle. <sighs> Yay. Hooray. <laughs> and what I'd like to talk to you about today is something I've been following your social media feeds and been seeing beautiful pictures of the outdoors and this outdoors has been in Southeast Ohio. So I wanted you, wanted to talk to you about your adventures recently in the park. Yeah. In the park that is your backyard. Yeah, a lot of that is my backyard. Mm-hmm. I have a cave in my backyard. You have a cave in your yeah. backyard. Yeah, so let's start there. Let's, <laughs> let's start there. When did you discover that you had a cave in your backyard? About three months after I bought the property. Okay. Which is how I'm walking along. There's a creek. And so I'm following the creek at the very edge of the property. And I look up and there's a cave. I mean, seriously, it was like out of nowhere, there's this cave. So I go back up there. It's not a deep cave. It's just some sandstone that fell down. So it's more like an overhang. Okay. But you can get back in there and you can like hang out. And was anyone hanging out in there? Well, there was the skeleton of the old <laughs> settler, but yeah. no, there we'll was there was nobody that. in there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there were some coyote tracks in there. But. So you've got unique uh, rock formations in your backyard, but you've been, you've been going out to some of the local parks. Can you, which ones have you gone to? Cause basically this segment is Aaron wants to go to the parks. Which <laughs> right. should he go to? <laughs> I'm not really big into the parks or I haven't been until just recently, but we had the exchange student who went home, but we took her out West before she went home. So we went to death Valley. We went to Zion. We went to the grand Canyon. And sort of inspired me. I'm like, well, okay, I want to go out and explore the parks in, in, in my area. So we got back and did the winter hike up at Old Man's Cave. And that's about like a three-mile hike or something like that between Old Man's Cave and Ash Falls. And where, or where Cedar is Falls, that? not Ash, Ash Where Where is that? Uh, Hawking County up in, up in the Hawking Hills. Okay. So that was fun. It was nice. You know, there were probably a 1,000 people out there walking the trail. Oh, wow. In fact, when you get to the end, they have soup beans and cornbread. 
as a way to celebrate. And the guys on the microphone is like, congratulations for being here for the warmest hike ever. And I'm like, that's a little troubling. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you did this with your son? Probably. Yeah, yeah. So how long is this hike? Uh, it was about three miles. And he was fine, just running along. He was like a three-year-old. He complained about it the whole way, <laughs> but he had a good time in the end. And he got a patch, and he was, he was and beans and cornbread. Yeah, man, I wish at every end of every hike I could get beans and cornbread. I know, it's <laughs> an added plus. I have to make it myself. I know. I took uh, a walk yesterday. Ended up at Larry's Hot Dog, but you know, <laughs> well, that's you know, that's good enough. <laughs> so, so where else have you been? I've been, I've been um, seeing. Last weekend, I went to Stroud's Run, hiked around the lake. I think that's like seven, eight miles round trip. Oh, it's beautiful up there. It, yeah. is, is the path like walked? Is it clear or do you have to be in the know to walk there, this path? There are two, to my, you know, the best of my knowledge. I'm not an expert on Stroud's Run. Okay. But the two main, there's one, there's a path down by the lake and that one's well trodden. So you can make that one out. And there's one up on top of the hill, but there are a bunch of spurs that go between the two. And those ones seem to disappear like halfway up because nobody takes them. So I took one, I can't remember the name of the trail, but I took one up and I'm like, yeah, everything's great. You know, it's a little dicey. There are some trees like that have fallen down in the middle of the trail. And then all of a sudden the trail just disappeared. So I had to kind of guess where it was, you know. But I knew that there was a trail in front of me somewhere as I just walked through the woods for five minutes. But nice. but they are well maintained up there. In fact, I saw some people that were working on the trail while I was out there. Nice. And then also, you got a permission slip from the government to go to a particular spot. Oh, that's right. Yeah. A friend of mine loaned a book to me about Ohio geology because I found this rock in the creek. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, I, I had no idea what it was, so I kind of did like the social media. Who knows what this rock is? <laughs> and it turns out I have like three friends who are geologists, so you know, who knew? <laughs> that rocks. Yeah. Ah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Producer Adam, cue the rim shot. <laughs> <laughs> So, so yeah, sorry. he loaned me this book, and it's all about it's all about the geology of Ohio, and I'm reading the Southeast Ohio portion, and it talks about this natural bridge, like a rock bridge, that's in Washington County, down around Frost. I think Frost, maybe I don't know, one of the hot, cold places, Torch Frost, <laughs> <laughs> not Coolville though. Um, ah. But hey, it's a lad, like lad natural bridge, and so I look it up, and you know, it's a natural or it's a, a nature preserve, but the only way you can go there is if you get a permit from ODNR. So I'm like, well, cool, I'm going to go check this out. So I send in the application for a permit. Why do you have to get a permit? I don't know. Oh. So they won't, <laughs> so if somebody messes up the rock bridge, they, yeah, they'll know who did it, it and they'll know who to find a lot of money. Yeah. It's not like you can do, because you can, yeah. go to, you can go to rock bridge up in, in Hawking County, like actual, I think it's called rock bridge. And you don't need a permit for that. I would just be like concerned that I would fall off the rock bridge yeah. because it's not like they're sending out people to put more rock on the bridge. <laughs> That's not but if how you filled out the permit, then they know who you are when you fall yeah. off the bridge. Right. Gotcha. That too. But that's pretty cool, getting a permission yeah. slip from the government. Right. So how long does that take to get the application and all that? You have to apply two weeks in advance. Ah. So And then you can get it for like up to a week. Like you get a window of a week to go visit the place. Cool. Another cool thing is, though, you know, going to these parks, I kind of look into the history of them. And with Ladd uh, Rockbridge, it used to be a tourist attraction. And so people would go there and pay money to drive their cars across this rock bridge, <laughs> like back in the, 19, like 19, in the teens and the 20s. Hmm. So there's the thought. So, you know, I tell my son, he's like, can we drive the truck across? I'm like, no, you can't drive the truck across. <laughs> <laughs> Too many people did that before. <laughs> right. They ruined it for everyone. That's why you need a permit, kid. <laughs> 
But it did seem back in those times there was a more because I can attitude. Oh, like, totally. Yeah. We're going to drive across this rock bridge because we can. We're going to the moon because we can. <laughs> yeah. Drive through the redwood trees. Because we can. Right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One, do you have any future plans to go any, to any parks? Two, do you have any riddle recommendations for Ooh. parks? Oh, I can combine the two of them. Okay. Since, you know, you're here in town, the walk between Sells Park which is here on the uh, it's on the far east side of Athens. Okay. There's a trail that goes between Sells Park to Strouds Run. And that is a nice walk. It'll take you like, you know, 3 4 hours. Okay. But yeah, it's a, it's a good walk. I'm probably going to do that tomorrow or nice day up tomorrow. Um future plans, I might go to the New River New River Gorge. New River New River Gorge. Gorge <laughs> which is celebrating its 100th year, I think. Okay. But maybe I just made that up. I don't know. Flows it, north. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. Mm-hmm. It's a backward river. It's a weird river, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, Chris, there's one more thing we wanted to talk about, and that is the pledge drive that just ended, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And how are we doing there? It was, you know, we 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 have we did really well on this pledge drive, and stations all over the country have done really well, and I think more people are paying attention to their public radio stations because of, well, because of threats that, that a lot of public radio stations are facing. Actually, all public radio s- stations are facing. Yes, the White House is right, with considering the White House. a budget that would take the Corporation for Public Broadcasting and the National Endowment for the Arts. Yeah, among funding. other things. It's um, the Heritage Foundation's right. proposed budget that they've had floating around for years. So, mm-hmm. so I think a lot of people are um, paying attention to that and... You know, like, oh, yeah, we do need to support our public radio stations. So, And you said, you ha- we had talked uh, before about, you said lots of other uh, public radio stations around the country. You had one example of somebody that had uh, hundreds of thousands of gold and they made about $1.4 million or yeah, something. Yeah, they had, I think it was an $800,000 goal. It was a, a larger radio station than WOUB. Yeah. Um, but they went over and they, by... They went over a million dollars, so that's great. On their drive, yeah. yeah. The uh, morning edition host there was like, "I'm not trying to brag or anything." <laughs> but <laughs> well, now you got to brag. The rest of us were like, "Uh huh, yeah." But it, I mean, we all, everyone knew going in that that's probably what's going to happen because whenever it's bad news, our pledge drive actually actually do rather well. So, so what goes into a pledge drive other than? A lot of breaks where um, people say, hey, did you like Morning Edition? Yeah. Well, you'll also like <laughs> pledge drives. <laughs> like a tote bag. Um, <laughs> well, you have to figure, you know, figure out where you're going to put your breaks in there and try to structure the breaks. Like, you don't want to just talk about the thank you gifts that we have. I mean, of course, we've got, like, the, the public radio mug or the tote bag or whatever. But you try to, you know, tell, let, remind people that, you know, this is the service we're offering. And... We know that you find the service to be valuable, so we need to hear from you, and this is why we need to hear from you, you know, because our budget is in danger because we need your money to continue to bring you programs like Morning Edition or – see, I'm going to kick into the pledge <laughs> drive. <laughs> it's, it's automatic now. You know, they're like, look into your heart and soul, people, and find that reason. <laughs> it also funds uh, podcasts like 457 SEO. That's right. Yeah, it's, everything we do up here. So. Yeah, Spectrum and all those other guys, yeah. Now, if someone – wanted to pledge to WOUB, and it wasn't during a pledge drive. Mm -hmm, Is that possible? It is possible. You can go on our website, and there is a support button, and you can click the support button and say, I want to support WOUB, and here's my pledge. If you want to hear more of Chris Riddle. (laughs) Right. Which, why wouldn't you? 
You know, we used to do like two week long pledge drives though, and now we're down to like four days, which is great. I mean, we used to sit there and just all day. Yeah. <laughs> and it was like hit it and quit it. But you would never hit it, so you just keep going. And going. Yeah. I remember that on the T V ones where they'd say, We if you keep <laughs> keep donating, then we'll get off the air and get out of your yeah. way. <laughs> oh, it was horrible. You know, everyone you know, the listeners hated it mm-hmm. and everyone on the air hated it. And everyone on the air hated each other you know, <laughs> by that time. It's like, I don't want to see you in the studio anymore. <laughs> so it's so, I mean, it's nice now that we've been able to get these pledge drives down to four days. And we went, we told listeners when we first made the move to the shorter pledge drive, it's like, if you can contribute, we can make these pledge drives shorter, but we need to hear from you. And they did. They stepped up, and now we're down to four-day pledge drives. Thanks, listeners. Thanks, Chris, for coming in, talking to us about the natural beauty throughout southeastern Ohio that I look forward to partaking in before it gets cold again, and then we'll do so when it warms up again. And thank you for participating in the pledge drive. So also, side shout out to all the people that made the pledge to support WOUB, which keeps our work going and all of these podcasts going. So, Chris, thank you. Always a pleasure. And everyone else, thank you. (laughs) Our music is produced by Nathan McGuire. Our producer behind the glass is Adam Rich. Our editor is me. (laughs) You do a very good job. Thanks. This one's (laughs) going to be an easy one. (laughs) <laughs> and and thank you for listening, whether it be on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, or at WOUB.org. Like, subscribe to the podcast if you can on iTunes or Google Play. And give us a review, five-star review. You can say whatever you want as long as it's constructive. A five-star review helps other people find the show, and your comments will help shape the direction of this still relatively new podcast. This is episode seven. Mm-hmm. So again, thank you for listening to another episode of 457 SEO. I'm Aaron Payne. I'm Susan Tebbin. And next week we'll have Atish Baidya and Allison Hunter back in the studio. So stay tuned for that too. Thanks. Bye. Okay. Sorry. Okay, so that what did you what did you learn? What did you learn about eating before you come in the studio? <laughs> Nothing. I don't regret the Cheetos at all. Oh, fair enough. Shout out to Cheetos. <laughs>